When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Palmerbet on the edge of the box. Oh, it's a straight-up screamer! Download our app today and enjoy straight-up screamers this FIFA World Cup with great odds, great promos and same-game multi at Palmerbet. Gamble responsibly. For gambler's help, call 1-800-858-858. Welcome to AFL Nation. Gary Lowen wins it after the siren with a dead-eye shot. Where are you, buddy? There he is! <laughs> he juggles the mark at the front. Ball to Springer, the magic man. He's done it again. Jake Springer, the everywhere man. He says the chance to get through. Bontempelli! Simply the bots! Gives it to Gordon. Willie from 55. Torment eased and a curse lifted. Melbourne Premiers in 2021. AFL Nation. Friday night footy gives us a double header to start round eight. We'll say it like it's a good thing. A double header. It starts at Adelaide Oval with a reprise of a startling preliminary final, which stands as the source of Port Adelaide's woes, but it hasn't delivered the Bulldogs all that they might have dreamed either. And then over in the West, a depleted Fremantle. They've lost six to COVID. They meet lowly North Melbourne. And maybe the Kangas can challenge themselves to take advantage of the circumstances and get themselves something positive out of this season thus far. Friday night footy, both games on AFL Nation. You can make your choice on the app in addition to what's on your radio. Jared Waitley with you. We'll be calling... Port and the Bulldogs. Anthony Hudson's with me. Hello, Hutto. We will, Jared. Good evening to you and hello, everyone. Welcome to, yes, a double header on a Friday night and seven goals two to one goal one. Jared, what does that mean to you? <laughs> a cold shiver down Port Adelaide's spines, I think. Yeah, and then 12 8 to 3 4 at half time. It's still yes. hard to believe for a preliminary final that was the score. And it's, it's interesting to even, you know, heading into this season, speaking to people at Port and hearing what Kenny said publicly, which he kind of did again this week. They didn't shy away from it. They reviewed it. Remember when Melbourne went to Perth yeah. and didn't even look at it and then had a horrible 2019? Well, Port have taken the other uh, the other way about going about it. So it, it is, and Kenny said, I'm not qualified to tell you whether there's any scars or not. Um, so whether there really is or not, it's, it's hard to know. But even though both sides with their... Selection issues uh, compared to the teams they'd like to have out there, particularly the Bulldogs. It's going to be fascinating to see how it plays out. Jared Healy's with us. Hello, Jared. Jared, I must admit I'm scarred. Yes. I want to begin on a negative. All right. How about a week as a weather bureau? <laughs> <laughs> it has been horrific. We, I think, as a community, geared ourselves up for storm and tempest. And what we got was sunshine, a little bit of cold air, but uh, the rest of it's just absolutely magnificent. So, um, I mean, you could probably uh, expand out on that. I won't just at the present time, but, gee, the weather, Bruno, worst on ground for the week. 
Uh, how might we have avoided a Friday night doubleheader? Uh, Don't get too lateral. Footy. <laughs> Don't get too lateral. A million people watched the NRL last night on Thursday for night footy. Well, we have had this discussion with Marcus King, and I know that uh, Marcus is now heading down to Geelong to be head of strategy. I just wished he had have left a bigger mark on the competition before he left uh, the tower. And... Uh, Four skills hand on Thursday night footy. We know it's probably all a grand plan for the next TV rights, so we'll give them an out there. But, gee, we're copping some pain in the me- in the meantime. Yeah. And then climbing games on top of each other on a Friday night. I mean, who came up with that idea? It's just needless, isn't it? It's just So it's to lessen Mother's, Mother's Day. Yeah. But all, all you do is you diminish destroy your... Friday night, don't yeah, you? No, it doesn't make any sense to me, but... I don't know. Odd. Uh, in place at Adelaide Oval, Kane Corns. Hello to you, Kane. Uh, Jared and crew. Yeah, it's interesting when you speak about the weather as well, um, Jared. The other Jared. It, so it's really dark as you're driving towards the ocean. Uh, sorry, towards the stadium. At yep. the moment, it is clear and looks okay. But don't be surprised if there's sort of sporadic showers throughout the game, which you think Port Adelaide are prepared for after playing in the worst conditions you've ever seen last week in Cairns. So that adds a, a different element to the game tonight. But um, it should be a ripper, and the loser will have some serious questions to answer, as always, on Friday night. Yeah, I think that's fair, Kane, but I do not want you... Look, you are normally don't give anybody an out. You're normally a hard liner. Do not give yep. the Weather Bureau an out with a sporadic <laughs> shower. That is not going to cut it. Well, well, I haven't paid as close attention to oh. our Weather Bureau uh, over here as you have uh, there. It's all, to do with, it's all to do with surfing, Kane. Whenever Jared mentions anything <laughs> okay, about the weather, it's nothing right. to do with anything I, else no, than no, surfing. No, no, this is just, motive, I get it. This is just a, an observation because uh, you do prepare yourself. You, you do your preparation for the week, knowing that uh, there's going to be storm and tempest, as I said. When it doesn't turn up, we're all big winners, obviously, because the sun is shining. So I feel good, but I'm just beginning on a negative note. You got any <laughs> negatives you want to get off your chest, Kane? Oh, i got a couple. i got a couple, but I'll, I'll let the hosts of the show steer us through <laughs> yes. the proceedings tonight because there's lots of talking points. I don't know where you want to start. Yeah, I wouldn't want to rush you through them. What is the mood <laughs> nah. in the town for Port and the Bulldogs, Kane, knowing the recent history? Yeah, it's, I, I always struggle to work out how big an element a, a game six months ago means tonight. Like, when, when you're actually out there and the ball is bounced and you're chasing the footy, never have I once thought, oh, last time we played them, even though it was a big game of footy and it was an embarrassing performance, that's playing on my mind. So I can't answer the question. I mean, there's, there's obviously, it's a media story. It's been spoken about even you know from, from Monday onwards, probably tonight, uh, this week. Uh, in the build-up to tonight, but how big a deal is it? I don't know. Uh, two different teams. I'm not sure how many different players are out there tonight, but it would be significant. Um, and in the end, Port Adelaide, with the start that they gave themselves, don't have any excuses. You start zero on five, uh, it's a long way back, and you're going to have to start beating some good t- teams, and, and that starts tonight. If you get through this, and it looks a bit better, because you've got North Melbourne, the prospect of winning four in a row is looking a little bit better. But in terms of the nightmare prelim final, I'm not sure how much of an influence that's going to have on the result tonight. Gerald, just a little aside. Isn't it great to have Jason Ackermanis back with us? <laughs> on the? On, just, we just, we've got connection with Kane. We can see him now. It was brilliant during the week, Kane. Congratulations. But a little Thank bit of Acker about the way you're left looking now. There is. I'm trying to grow the beard out to try and distract people from the head. <laughs> that, that's, that's what, they t- that's, that's what the, the balding people, like my brother says, you grow the beard a little bit and then that sort of distracts people from the fact you've got no hair. I'm trying to do the same, but has it worked? And I walked in here tonight, the first person I saw was Mark Rusciuto. He cracked up. Then I saw James Brayshaw. He 
cracked up. So it's it's still a bit of a bit of a laugh, and I, I look completely ridiculous. Just on Rue, if Adelaide go back to back with another pitiful performance I did it last week. Rue's going to have to come out with uh, Joe the cameraman. <laughs> can't, can't kick, kick can't catch, <laughs> etc. He got a good response he to did. the first crack, but gee, did. that was one of the weird results of last week. How poor they were. Mm. Bulldogs, just before we sort of delve into other issues. So they're only just going. They're threadbare tonight, yep. the team that they put out here, Jared. Well, I tossed a coin when I was looking at this game prior to the teams coming out when I have to do tips uh, for our radio show. And, you know, begrudgingly I went the Bulldogs because I thought Port's win, whilst it was a win, it was it was almost, you know, at the uh, only because St Kilda fluffed their chances. But they still created the chances and Port Adelaide allowed them to create the chances. So I didn't think it was as convincing as perhaps some people did. But then the Bont pulls out. And I know that you've only got to pick some other kid to come in and play his role. Right. <laughs> but I'm not sure that anyone else can play Bond's role. So, And Bond hasn't been going as well as he could have, and that's probably why he's been finally tipped out. Uh, give him a rest and see if he can overcome some of his injuries. But, gee, they do look threadbare. And without English, he's been, he'd be their best and fairest winner right now, I suspect, unless Bailey Smith has, has got him in the, in the last week since his absence. Bond's just been going... Um, you know, I think Trelaw's just been going. There's, there's, I think Bailey Dale's had two poor ones at the start, but he's been really good since. So they've got a few coming through. But uh, threadbare is a good way to describe it. It's, it's, it's going to be a big tussle because they've got to just get enough wins when they get their best back to have a decent platform to have a crack at the finals. Yeah, so Kane's point is the analysis around the loser, the maths yeah. and... Uh, and where they are in their phase of the season is very real. At the second game tonight, Fremantle and North Melbourne. So you sat here last week, Jared, and said, don't worry about Fremantle's outs. Is This is why. And your words were prophetic for what unfolded on Saturday afternoon. Six out from one week to the next. Yeah. I think that's uh, that, that, that's getting undersold, I reckon. That's tipping point stuff. But a few good backfalls. I don't yeah. think it is tipping point because I don't of think what it, Hutto said. Yeah. Their depth is enormous. I mean, they have got... Still one of the best five players in the game, not in the side. And yet, I haven't got them in front of me. But their ins are comparable to their outs. A bit like bringing Tracy in and and um, um, Meek. Yeah, well, Chapman, Darcy and Hayden Young are all first 18 or first 22 players, Absolutely. I would have thought. And then Henry and, and Amiss is going to make his debut. So they lose Akers, who's obviously been in great form. Yeah. Collier, Frederick. Uh, Lobb, who's a significant out for them as well. Gr- Griffin Logue is, but they have good coverage in defence. Well, Griffin Logue was dropped yeah, three, three four, weeks yeah, ago. Yeah. I mean, he's clearly his game against Cameron last week was his best, maybe ever. Yeah, yeah. So he's an out, but uh, they've, they've got massive defensive uh, backup. Yep, they have, and, and, and Lloyd Meek gets replaced by Darcy. So I, I don't think they're in that bad a shape at all, and they're playing North Melbourne. Yeah. So if they're playing someone else, it might be a different story. Now, we'll pick up the conversation on the text at 11 o'clock tonight. I think it's been totally glossed over how difficult a task this is for them, disrupted one week to the next. Mm. Um, And I wouldn't be surprised if North Melbourne gave them a huge fright tonight. Well, you just try to lock into a system and... um, Having been so profoundly impressed with them a week ago, I think the timing's just wretched for them. Yeah, it is, but... I mean, I unfortunately saw North Melbourne firsthand again last week, and I've seen North Melbourne twice at Marvel Stadium put on a second quarter that was really exciting, and then fall away badly in the second half. And I, and I see too many of their, you know, 
talented midfielders, incapable of playing more than 30 minutes at a time. And if they do that against Fremantle, they'll get whacked. Now, we saw against Sydney, if they bring Sydney's performance, then they could win the game. But they've only brought Sydney's performance once this year. And that was their best game, even though they lost. It was their best game by an absolute mile. So there's, there's a long way to go for, for the Kangas, and hopefully they can, you know, for their sake and for everybody's sake, competition's sake, they can give free out fright. It's the other WA team, Kane, though, that, uh, that is making the headlines. Uh, they're out of players. They're dipping into the reserves for the, the second uh, occasion this season. They're heading for Brisbane. Uh, and they failed their own standards, and the club hasn't shied away from that today, as Adam Simpson uh, provided the quote that he was furious. So two players evidently went to a, a nightclub. It's peak COVID in Perth at the moment. I imagine that this breaks every rule that they have around the precautions that they're taking. One of those, it would appear, contracted COVID, and they've got four out as a result. Uh, the kicker is the other it has been brought into the side to play on Saturday night. So what is it? Uh, what's your read on the Eagles, Kane? Well, uh, well he's going to do well. I, I don't want this to be a big statement. He's going to do well to survive this year, Adam Simpson. We, like, this is a this is a brutal blow. Like the question around whether he's up for the rebuild, how long is it going to take? Can he handle the scrutiny, the pressure that is going to come, or has already arrived from? What is a pretty parochial West Coast supporter base that are used to not bottoming out and, and used to a whole heap of success in their short time, an incredible club. Ninth year, and to look at other rebuilds, so they, they are in dire need of a rebuild. And if you just look across to Fremantle, it's going to take them five to six years, you would think, minimum, to get it done. So is Adam Simpson up for that? So then to chuck this on top of all the other challenges that they've gone through is... Um, it's a slide on the coach in a way, and it's not his fault, but he's the setter of standards. And I think he's put players out there that are unfit at times, as I've spoken about, and not just Elliot Yo. There's there's others, and I, and I think across the last two to three seasons, the standards that the Eagles have slipped, and that's that is on the coach. So to have this embarrassing situation now in isolation, it's not it's not a massive offence, is it? Players going out to a nightclub. But when you look at the holistic picture, the coach is in ISO. They've got 21, 22 players to pick from. And then you're still going out to nightclubs and putting yourself at, at risk. I think it's a big story, and I think he's going to do really well um, to survive it. I think it's staggering behaviour from a couple of players, given the circumstances that they find them in. And you are, you're left to wonder on the outside, do they care about yep. the predicament that their club is in? That's what it says to me. Yeah, I think that's a, a fair reading of it. I think uh, whilst they can walk away from it and uh, say the right things, ultimately they made the decision knowing what a dire position their club is in right now and knowing that it would be... Knowing that they'd get caught. I mean, that, that is... No one, no one in Western Australia, uh, or no one at the Eagles, could go anywhere in Western Australia without being monitored. And so they had to understand that, you know, this is going to be a big story, and yet they still did it. So... It's uh, it's a really it's a, it was an insult to the coach, and I, I think he took it as an insult. I'm not sure whether they'll they'll move on him. I I suspect mm. they probably won't, but it's certainly not. You know, if he's out of contract, it, uh, you know, he's going to have to fight for his job. But I think I think he's such an outstanding coach that I think they'll back him in to at least have a crack at getting midway through the rebuild, if not uh, trying to regenerate fairly quickly. Just how the year not... plays out from here is going to be really interesting, yeah. isn't it? On, on, on every level, yeah, I suppose. Yeah, no, you're, look, you're right. They, they could fall. Imagine if they got 
a run of injuries as well on top of yeah, the ones well. that they've had. I mean, they could become the easy beats of the competition. And, you know, if you, you go back-to-back 15-goal losses, Kane, and it's, you know, where do you go to? Yeah, well, they've lost the last three by 256. So that's their last three, and they've played Brisbane with 21 players to pick from. So uh, you can only imagine the scoreline that is going to eventuate. Their percentage is 55, and they're dead last. So And we're at round eight. So this is what I'm saying. Whether it's fair or not, the scrutiny has already started on the coach and that yep. was going to continue because of the performances that are about to happen and have happened already. Then you get this, which is, to Jared's point, a direct knock or a, a direct middle finger up at the coach from the players. Now, the, you, so how, how do you survive the performance aspect? The fact that you haven't had a top 10 draft pick since 2010 and the fact that you have probably put players out on the field that aren't ready and, and look at Luke Shuey and look at look at Elliot Yo and look at uh, Hearn and look at McGovern. They, they get injured every second week. So are they prepared properly? Has he let the standards slip? That's a question that only Adam Simpson um, can answer. But with success comes a bit of complacency. And I feel like over the last three, three years at the Eagles, they've severely underperformed. And now you get the situation that they're in, which isn't their own fault, but this has been building for a couple of years now. It's really been unfortunate looking at their post-premiership era. I mean, there's been criticism of the Tim Kelly recruit, but Tim Kelly has not played with a fit Elliot Yo yet. And he hasn't really played uh, with a fit, uh, the captain of the West Coast Eagles. Shuey. Shuey. So, and Nat Nui's missed a lot of footy And Nat well. Nui's missed a lot of footy. So, like, there's obviously there's going to be, it's easy with hindsight, there's going to be criticism of the Kelly deal and... You know, putting cards on the table, I wasn't a fan of, of any swapping of three first rounders for yeah, any player. It's a lot. Whether it's you know, whether it's Dylan Shield or Cameron or, or anybody. I just I think you you're just risking too much. But that said, they made the decision. They weren't top ten swaps, they were, you know, twelve and seventeen and yeah. whatever. Um, but it hasn't been given a chance to work because they've just been down on personnel and and I'm not sure whether they're coming back too early this year, Kane. On the surface of it, it looks that way. But, you know, they just haven't been given any chance with Elliot Yo's incapability of, or incapacity to get over his groin injury. And uh, Luke Shuey just, just continued to get soft tissue injuries. It's, it's been a really disappointing run. So further, yeah. th- further to the standards, Kane. So Nelson and Rotham are the two players who are photographed at the nightclub. Okay. So the Eagles haven't named them, but that's in the public domain in the West. Nelson's out with their health and safety protocols. So that's an easy conclusion to draw. Rotham's been brought in. So they don't, numerically, they're cast. But standards-wise, do you bring in the player who caused the breach, which has been so condemned by the club, disheartening furious like that's as blunt a statement as you get and yet the player has been brought into the team i'm struggling with that yeah well you can't you can't bring him in they have access to 20 top up players don't they so why it's not going to matter so they're going to get beaten by whatever number anyway he's not going to be the difference between them being competitive or not so just make a stand this this was my point on elliot yo the guy's overweight he's not ready to play don't pick him because it's not going to matter anyway. And then he gets, he gets injured like he has done for the last three years 
Anyway, at least set some sort of standard at the club. So you're going to get a whole heap of new players coming in, right? The next three, four years, they're going to have to go to the draft. You're going to get young, fresh faces into the club. They want to walk into a club that has elite standards. If that's all you've got, because you're going to win five, six, seven games for the year, if all you've got is elite standards, well, at least they're going to learn the right way. Like, you want Jason Horn francis to walk into North Melbourne and um, see Luke Davies Uniac and Jai Simpkin getting the weights early and being really diligent with their recovery and if they're not allowed to drink on a six day break they don't drink so that's that's the standards that's what you can base the culture of your footy club around so that when you get to Fremantle and Andrew Brayshaw has been on the list for five years he's had the taste and the apprenticeship that gets him to the point where he's playing footy now if you're just going to pick players and chuck them out there willy nilly because they're good players and they're premiership players and they got a good record and they got a good reputation your culture's shot, and I, I just think he has rewarded players with performance and game time that, that don't need it. So to your point, absolutely they should go to the top-up pool and pick rather than pick a player who was out at a nightclub when the last thing they needed was this embarrassment. Yeah, it's going to be interesting Is that fair or is that harsh? Well, I think the point... I'm happy to, I'm happy to debate it. Well, I think the point you're making uh, about Rosham uh, Rotham is it's impossible to argue with that. Yeah. It's, it's, I mean, I'll be interested to see what Adam Simpson has to say about it, but it doesn't seem logical to me to castigate them publicly, drop one and put the other one in. It's very odd. So maybe their investigation, maybe they will put different information yeah. into yeah. the public, but that's all we've got to deal with at the moment. The identity of the two players is known in the West from, and I presume it's the photographic evidence that the club used. Mm to talk to the two players about. So, and, and you've got a coach saying he's furious, yeah. Jared. Yeah. So you've got, you've got a, we don't hear, you don't hear that very often. And the club is, it is particularly disheartening. I can't marry those two up for the time being. That's all the information there is. The other element that the two players have to wear is, Jared, there was, like, last night, there was just this incredible unease that this game was going ahead. Yeah. And now you go, well, it's your own fault. Yep. So own it. Bad luck. If you get beaten by 200 points and there are records broken, you own that now. Yep. So before that, where did you stand on whether it was this game getting close to being? Well, I think it's. I think it has to be getting close. But I mean, we've made we've put the line in the sand, and you know, for all intents and purposes, you know, I don't think it's a, as big an issue because it's the West Coast Eagles. But if it was a side at the top of the ladder that uh, all of a sudden lost 15 and it was going to impact on a particular final space, I think there'd be a bigger hue and cry. The, the only problem with that theory is the percentage, is, does, being, the yeah. percentage is being you know destroyed and uh, it's, it's becoming a big advantage for those clubs playing West Coast Eagles and North Melbourne twice because they're getting a you know a 20% boost each and every time. So if it comes down to percentage at the end of the day, which normally it does in this pretty even era, we're going to have a distorted competition. So... Uh, I reckon once you go down the track where the Eagles played North Melbourne, they're no worse than that. No. So they're but probably for how long they're can better you inflict than this on on a team, I suppose. But and that this, so the choice coming into the season was the integrity of the season was better served by not having a subjective judgment. Mm. So at what point would a team and no, you don't have to play? Oh, but you have to play. Yeah. So take the subjectivity out of it and go protect the integrity of the whole season. <laughs> But there are games that are uh, shredded 
yep. in terms of integrity. And this is the this is clearly the second one. And then yep. you can have other measurements along the way. How, put your footy players. How, how much could Brisbane win by if they remain focused? Yeah, I was thinking about that coming through. I mean, it, like, you'd reckon it's double. You'd reckon it's triple figures. Yeah, I mean, we, we we picked. It, I mean, we didn't have to be Einstein to pick it last week. After yeah. about five minutes, this is going to be a hundred to. Uh, yeah. 120, and that's about what it was. Yeah, well, I, you know, if they get, you know, if they get uh, anywhere near, say, 75 points, they've done a great job. I don't think Einstein was actually that good a judge of footy, by the way. <laughs> Wasn't he? <laughs> what do you reckon the margin will be, Kane? Yeah, well, you'd think, you'd have to think 100 plus. I'm just pulling their team up now, the, the West Coast team, and there's a lot of names that you haven't heard much about. And, and, and the problem for them is, I mean, they had 10 premiership players out there last week, I think it was. I think we discussed on crunch time last week, Jared, and, and they're not performing either. Yeah. So the, the influence that, as a result of everyone else not being there, like Gaff, I know he was the sub last week, but he's not impacting games. Liam Ryan's not impacting games. Jamie Cripps is not impacting games anymore. So that's that's the biggest issue that they've got, is they're better, most experienced players that have played good footy. They're not having an influence either. Hearn's another one. Barras comes back into the side. So, yeah, they're they're in all sorts. They're in all sorts of trouble. Just on the, the is it fair or not, it, um, I think you're right. Like, we, we did at the start of COVID, remember we had the same training standards for every state? Like, so you could only... I can't remember exactly what the the rules were, but everyone was under the same rules in terms yep. of how many you could train with in small groups. That's the... The reason they should feel unfair, and I haven't I admittedly kept up to date with exactly what the isolation rules for close contacts are in WA, but if they're different, so if the West Coast players actually don't have COVID, but they're just close contacts because they've been doing weights or whatever, and they have to isolate and they miss a game as a result of that, but in Adelaide, you don't because those close contact rules are scrapped, or in, or in Melbourne, the same thing, then that's not fair. That, that's, that's the thing that isn't fair about it. We should be under the same rules for every team regardless of what state you live in. So the worst case scenario should be the the blanket yeah. rule. Well, the, the, but, so yeah, whoever's the, under the, the tightest standard. provisions, that should be across the comp? I think so. Well, well I, know, I know that makes it really difficult. It does. But, <laughs> and, I, I get your point, have, but boy. Yeah. I'd I know, go with the lightest rules because the, 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 the majority of the games are then, uh, I guess, Better than the, so it's just bad the luck opposite. For West Coast, yeah. It does but appear if as if we're going West, to the bad luck. Mm. Yes, it's good luck with your playing at the moment. Pretty handy. Yes, all right. We'll keep our Friday night conversation going ahead of the double header. The Hyundai Staria load is the van that is big on space and huge on safety. It's the only commercial van to receive five star rating and platinum awards for safety from ANCAP. Available for $47,990 for ABN holders. Take a tech drive today. You're listening to the 2022 Premiership season on AFL Nation for Beaumont Tiles. Hybrid flooring in store now. You're listening to the 2022 Premiership season on AFL Nation for Beaumont Tiles. Hybrid flooring in store now. Friday night footy across two venues tonight, Adelaide Oval, Port Adelaide and the Western Bulldogs and over at Optus in the West, Fremantle host North Melbourne. Both calls on AFL Nation, you can choose your own adventure on the app in addition to what is on your local radio station. Jared Waitley, Anthony Hudson, Kane Corns and Jared Healy with you in the pre-match as we broaden out to the topics of the week which have been pretty rich on a whole number of fronts. Well, can I ask you a question, Jared? Why are we doing the TV rights now? It's two and a half years before they have to be done. 
there'll be a downside if they elect to go with either well to go with someone else outside of Channel Seven and Fox because clearly we've got two and a half years of marriage to go, and yet mm. uh, you're telling your partner you're going to get tipped out. So why now? Clearly the AFL holds the view that Gil McLaughlin is their best negotiator and deal maker. And he runs point and he's going to deliver the best deal. So before he leaves office, regardless, he'll lock the future up. Which is interesting on a few front. The timeline is, I think naturally the deal would be next year rather than this year. So Mm. the point with one year to run on the current deal. Doesn't say much about the blokes who we think are going to be pushed up for the top job. Or is that part of it? It So they they are absolute lieutenants in the deal. So it's all locked in by this team, which makes it almost impossible to choose a chief executive from outside this group that just locked up the future of the game for the next seven years. Well, that may be the case, but it still, to me, suggests that you're not that confident that you've got the right two blokes or three people that can take over, because otherwise you would appoint somebody that was able to do TV right deals, or you just accept that they're not uh, up to speed, and you go and you say to Gil, we're going to put you on a, on a consultancy fee to come and negotiate TV rights in 18 months, or find somebody else. There's other people out there that can negotiate TV right deals. I mean, it, it, it's probably the most important thing that a CEO does in their period is to get these negotiations right. And obviously, Gil has great history, as, as Andrew did before that. But yeah, I mean, unless you unless you think we've got to get got to get the future sewed up because we want to do the deal to give women more money, the, the AFLW players they're more money. They're not getting the money this year. They're getting it in two and a half years' time. Yeah. So, or they're making some sort of economic forecast that the world's going to go into recession. So, unless. You, they're all the things that they're taking into account because, as you say, Jared, if, if we announce that, I mean, if we announce it and we just extend the current deal, yeah. then that's everybody's happy. Everyone's happy. But if we announce it and there's huh. two years to go through, then that's going to be interesting. It would be very hard to navigate two years as the jilted party, and mm. whoever misses is going to be jilted. Yeah. If 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 it's one of those who are current holders who get bumped for somebody else, uh, they'll. That will be sour. Yeah, look, it, it, it suggests to me that in their minds they're going to stay with the incumbents. That's the only way I can read it. And they're just going over there to find out what the probably the right price is. But, you know, that to me also says that they're going to not get the right price because they're not serious about changing over. You, you just couldn't change over two and a half years out. It just doesn't make any sense. So sort of sell, th- sell Thursday night to a third party. So my gut feeling is, so the Paramount... Um, negotiation is, well, the um, approach is fascinating that they want the lot. We're much more likely in a fragmented world to go to three rather than Mm. one. Mm. So from two, we're surely likely to fragment further than consolidate with one. You'd think so. Uh, Yeah, unless there is a a business that just wants the whole thing and they've got enough different platforms that they think they can monetise it. I, I can't see Gil spending political capital with the public who I think at this stage of, the, of his journey on the back of COVID think he's done an outstanding job. I don't think he's going to leave them with a poison pill that they're going to have to pay for Thursday nights when they haven't had to up to this point. So, is my view. Yeah, so, yeah. It could, it, well, it could be just how serious are they? Like, could it, how, you know, is, is that we in the nuts and bolts of a negotiation now? Probably not, but you need to find out are they 
legitimately interested. Perhaps you can only do that when you sit down face-to-face with those big heavy hitters over there. So it may be a, a, a prolonged negotiation. But the first point is, are you, are you legit? Are you serious? It's been reported that you are, but I'd love to come over and fly and, and, and see how you think this could work and then come back with the information and then start the negotiation, which could take however long. You'd love to know who else is on the list because it's too insular if we're only dealing with mm. Travis Old and uh, Andrew Dillon. This is in terms of the CEO. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, who else? where's the next Ross Oakley? Because they're out there. You know, somebody with a passion for the game doesn't have to know the nuts and bolts of it. If you're smart enough to run a $10 billion company, you're smart enough to run the AFL. So, so Ross had played... Yeah, he played footy. So, but he hadn't but, been, in, and he'd been no. he'd been on the board at St Kilda yeah. for a so, period. Of so time. he had that. So, do you think someone could could come in from the outside who had no football experience? I don't know about no. I mean, they'd they'd have to know the the nuts and bolts of the game, but they they wouldn't have to have lived the game if they're super smart people. And you know, we're talking guys in the stratosphere of of business and how smart they can be, they can pick these things up pretty quickly. I'd like to know who else has got a, a vision for the game. Okay, we've got Tassie. We've got the AFLW. But that vision's already there. What, what's the next level? How, what are we going to do with getting more kids in playing the game north of the Murray? And that was the big vision 15, 20, mm. 30 years ago. And yet we really haven't... We really haven't made a success. So, of that so you'd yet. hope that it, it, you know they're having they're going to have the the search as as all companies do, and we know some are searches and some are searches. Yeah. You would actually hope that they do look for that and let people who are willing candidates to come forward and put forward their vision for the job if, if they were to get it, so that they do consider it. You'd love to at some stage too that maybe Richard Goiter would give us his vision because we we just don't we don't have this blueprint. We don't have a Carter report that. Know, establish where this game is going. We just seem to be gravitating and just slowly going down the track of, OK, Tassie's important, let's get Tassie in if they're prepared to pay. Uh, let's get the AFLW up. That's, you know, that's going to be Gill's great uh, legacy. And that's, that's fantastic, but you know, that's, that's there. What's the next challenges and where are we going to take it? And who's, what are we going to do to make the Suns actually work? Are we going to build more stadia? Oh, sorry. So, so to... what, what for you, if you were going to make this... You it's going still to, north of the Murray. You were going to go to for the CEO, Jared Healy, CEO of the AFL. What would you... I, I think you've got to strengthen north of the Murray. That's where the TV rights money is. And that's where the people are. And yet we're not getting any more elite athletes out of that area, which is about, what, 7 million people, than we were 10 years ago. So is it more about getting the athletes or getting the eyeballs? It's both. I mean... Eyeballs will gravitate to athletes. So do, do any more, uh, I haven't seen the latest data, Jared, do any more eyeballs up north watch and consume football now than they did when the Iron Chef was famously <laughs> outrating the footy in Sydney? Uh, I, you'd, I'd have to, yeah. you'd have to see those numbers. I think participation numbers have... Oh, have petition, petition rate numbers up there are fantastic yeah. in and around the Gold Coast. Imagine what they'd be like if the Gold Coast actually was a good team. Mm. I mean, just have a look at the crowds at the Gold Coast. The crowd, I think the great, one of the great uh, monitors on this is the crowd that turns up when it's Giants versus Suns. Yep. And it's the worst crowd of the year. It was, I think, 4,000. Yeah. And it's a, it's a poorly rated TV game. Yes. If the Suns, if the AFL could have their time again on the Suns, I wonder what they would do different. I mean, to me, it's a stadium. I think we've learned this lesson now. A stadium closer to 
town. If, they could, if that stadium was at Broadbeach, I think that would be a really different feel. Yeah, I, I do too. I mean, I think it would have been better if we could have relocated aside. They tried to get North Melbourne there and there was big resistance. But you only have to look at the most effective side, and that's the Swans. Because they took they took a you know, a Melbourne yeah. base, so it's two towns, one team. That's a long time ago. Though, it is, it? but you know, they come to Melbourne, they've got ten thousand members. They go to Sydney, they've got thirty five, forty thousand members. So it works on a lot of levels. Is it a less attractive job for the visionary chief executive if all of the key deals are done by the previous and lock you in for between five and seven years? That's a good point, and I think that's exactly how you'd have to see it. Unless unless you saw you know, another level of development that you can make your mark. Otherwise, you're just, you know, you're just making the numbers look good. You're playing someone else's hand. Yeah, you are. Yeah. And that's, you know, it is, it's, a, it's a really fascinating, you know, discussion. Why are they doing it now? Yeah, well, I mean, over, overarching, it's probably, it's the faith that they clearly have in, in Gill, isn't it, really? I think so. And I would imagine... Not just with the TV rights, no, but with everything. When he and Goida sat on the plane and Gill said, now, and Goida said, really, now? Well, I need you to finish this before you go. Mm. Like, that feels like a commission directive. So you've got to finish this platform of work before we're happy to see you right off. Well, once again, it, it just sort of suggests to me that they're not totally happy with the, with the two or three other candidates, that they're not prepared to let them go. I mean, there are other people who can do the deal. I know Gill has, has nailed it a couple of times. He, uh, he was in a great position last time because Murdoch was totally annoyed with Rugby League mm. for going down there. So he saw an opportunity and he exploited that opportunity. Well, it, I mean, you wouldn't think Brendan Gale wouldn't be able to... Do a, do a deal like that? Well, well, I, I don't know because I don't know Brendan Gale's capacity outside of him rebuilding Richmond, obviously with others' help, but uh, he rebuilt Richmond to a powerhouse from a side that was an embarrassment for a long time. And so it's a mighty club again. And, 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 and as you said, there'd be other men and women out there who, given the right, yeah. right um, encouragement, could be, could be brilliant. I'd like, to know, I'd, not, I'd like to know whether or not there is another list outside of those. For you people. I heard Jared's on it, actually. <laughs> Jared Healy. <laughs> um, we'll touch base with Port Adelaide next. Uh, tick through the issues of the week and guide you toward Friday night footy, which starts in Adelaide, Port Adelaide and the Western Bulldogs and continues in Perth, Fremantle and North Melbourne. Your feedback across the weekend on AFL Nation on the Southern Phone open line. Switch and save with Southern Phone mobile plans. This is the AFL Nation pregame show for Beaumont Tiles. They now have hybrid flooring in store. A sports news update for Rolled. Eat good with Rolled. It's fast, fresh Vietnamese. Outgoing Illawarra Hawks coach Brian Gorgian says he will be coaching next NBL season, but no word yet on where he'll land. No, I'm, I'm, I'm definitely coaching. Um, you know, I've, I'm, I've had, you know, some, some very good offer, offers, and now I'm just in, and knew that um, through the season. Um, that there was going to be an opportunity to coach. Supercars team Walkinshaw Andretti United has confirmed it will switch from Holden to Ford vehicles from next season. And Sydney FC goalkeeper Andrew Redmayne has spoken to SEN Radio after the Sky Blues missed out on the A-League men's finals for the first time since the 2015-16 season. He reflects on what went wrong. I think we, we played well for the most part. We, we just didn't take our chances. Probably lacked a bit of quality when when it really mattered in those kind of crunch areas. That's the latest in sport. I'm April Austin. Eat good with rolled. It's fast, fresh, Vietnamese.
You're listening to the 2022 Premiership season on AFL Nation for Beaumont Tiles. Hybrid flooring in store now. You're listening to the 2022 Premiership season on AFL Nation for Beaumont Tiles. Hybrid flooring in store now. The AFL Nation pregame show for Beaumont Tiles. Time to renovate. Choose Beaumont's. You'll be happy you did. Port Adelaide and the Western Bulldogs. So the teams have been lodged. Lockie Jones is the sub for Port. And Hayden Crozier is the sub for the Bulldogs. Uh, the GM of footy at Port Adelaide is Chris Davies. Chris, great to have you on AFL Nation. Thank you. Uh, you lost Kane Farrell during the day. Is that is that the COVID protocols? Yeah, it is. Unfortunately, Kane tested positive uh, last night, so uh, so he's out. We've got a couple of other guys from our SNFL team who are also battling that at the moment. So not ideal, but uh, yeah, Farrell's a late, late-ish out. Uh, Dersma comes into the team, and as you said, then Jared uh, Lockie Jones is the sub. Does it uh, heighten the senses when somebody gets the the second line on their test? There's certainly, certainly some additional protocols that go around them, and we we send a message pretty quick, smart to say. Um, if you've got any symptoms, stay away. But it looks like you know they're the three that um, that have got it at the moment. We, we probably haven't had a situation so far, touch wood, where it's gone massively through the club. So let's hope that's the case now. Can I ask you about Xavier Dersma? He was dropped on Thursday and uh, and brought back in. I mean, the cynic in me says you knew you were going to lose some players, but you just wanted to send a message to him. Um, outside of that, he's. he's he was dropped again. So what does he need to do? What are, what are we missing and what's he missing to uh, gain his spot back? Yeah, I mean, look, um, unfortunately, Durs has had a bit of a, an interrupted year. He, he obviously played that first game, if you remember, was subbed out pretty early. Yeah. Played the next week, um, but then unfortunately succumbed to that same injury, so missed two or three weeks after that. And he's been coming back through the SNFL. He, he obviously came on late um, in last week's game. Uh, look, I think in reality we just had Amon and um, and Jamont who were keeping me out of out of the team. But mm. um, obviously he gets now an opportunity to come back in and, and show his wares. Rosie is the big one that's turned his form around. Was he going to come into the middle of the ground irrespective of results? Was that a pre-season plan that did reintroduce him to the middle or is it just simply because of the uh, dearth of positive results? No, look, I, th- I think with Connor, you know, he started in our forward line this year. I think Ken and our midfield guys had an intention to play Connor more around the ball, but with the players that we had out at the start of the year in, in Dixon and Fantasia and, and you know, Motlop was out for a little bit, um, we just felt like we, we had to inject some, you know, enthusiasm and, and some energy back into that forward line in order for us to kick some goals. Now, um, you know, if you remember that first half against Carlton, we were really poor, and, and so a decision was made at that point to give Rosie and, and Butters, you know, some some additional time in that second half around the ball, and, and look, they both looked fantastic for us, you yeah. know, since obviously, you know, playing in that second half against Carlton where we nearly got the job done in the end, but certainly against uh, the West Coast and, and last week against St Kilda, they've done some good things so you know that's part of of our growth is certainly to to give those two more opportunities and Connor so far has looked like the player that we thought he would be in his first probably you know year and a half. CD you've kicked two goals in first quarters out of your last five attempts and the prelim final was over at quarter time. Um, Any chance you can start better tonight? (laughs) Uh, There's there's a chance Kane. Um, 
I wouldn't mind, like you, uh, seeing a few more goals kicked in the first quarter. There's no doubt about it. I, I think we've done a few things different over time. But, you know, when you're, when you're kicking points, um, you know, we'd far rather the guys just concentrate on kicking it through the two big ones. So uh, let's hope that's the case. But, look, you know, I mean, I, I joke there, we, we really have to be better early in the game. And as you say, mm. we've, we've played in games, unfortunately, where, you know, we've been blown out of the water very quickly. And, and we know that the Bulldogs are a team who you know, have that capacity. So we're going to need to be well and truly on um, from the start. Has it been hard to understand, like, where your game is at? Like, because you've been half good, you, you know, competitive, but fell over the line last week. Probably the West Coast game, you probably don't count. There's been some good, there's been some horrible. Uh, where's your game at? Have you got a read on it or not? Oh, look, we think we've been better over the last two weeks. But, you know, what you said there, if, if you think that, you know, we fell over the line last week against St Kilda, you, you probably got to then look back and say, well, maybe they were unlucky against Brisbane and Adelaide. Um, you know, we are where we are. Um, we think we've got better. Um, we think that we, uh, the Brisbane game, we, we were four goals up in. The Adelaide game, we were four goals up in. You know, we think we've been, that we were a better team than zero and five. But at the end of the day, that's what the letter showed. Yeah, you know, we we think we've been better, as I say, against a fairly depleted West Coast and, and against a team that most pundits like yourself were suggesting were, were up and about in St Kilda last week. So we think we've taken some steps forward, but um, there's no doubt that we'll, we'll get um, another read after the game tonight. Spoke to Ken Hinckley this time last week, and I don't want to embarrass you, but he said you've been an incredible support for him. What does that look like? What does supporting a coach who's under the pump look like? Oh, look, I think our, our club in fairness has, has been pretty rock solid so far this year. You know, there's, there's no doubt that when you're not um, getting the performances that you expect, and certainly for a club who has high expectations, the reality is is that people can fray. But I think Ken has done a fantastic job in making sure that his uh, assistant coaches continue to be engaged, that he looks at himself before he passes blame to other people. Um, you know, my job is really to support the program and you know Ken and I have worked together for a long time now so we can we get a pretty good read on each other and as much as anything Kane I think it's to continue to make sure that he knows that it's his program to drive um, but that you know at times of stress it can't just be about what he does he, he must engage the people around him and I think he's done a, a pretty good job despite you know have you know our, our lack of performance at the start of the year. Can you just uh, give us a snapshot of the future Dixon, Fantasia, Lysette, Farrell, McKenzie, Bergman? Yeah, Jared. So, um, you know, we're, we're really pleased that uh, Charlie Dixon is going to play at SNFL level tomorrow. Um, unfortunately, we've got a buy in the SNFL the following week. Right. So the reality is, we'll, you know, Charlie will probably come back into the AFL team, I imagine, next week. Um, Fantasia should be available next week. You know, Farrell, you know, he, he should be out of the protocols by the end of next week. So he'll be back in line for selection. Bergman's in the same situation where... Unfortunately, you know, Bergman was in COVID protocols last week. Um, the week before, unfortunately, he had a bout of influenza A, which, which he and Zach Butters had that week. But he spent a couple of nights in, in hospital that week. So, um, yeah, we, we're getting some guys back, which is fantastic. Um, but hopefully, you know, the guys can get it done tonight. And selection for our coaches is uh, getting harder over the next few weeks. But there's no doubt, you know, from a... Uh, Dixon and Aaliyah perspective, you know, Aaliyah being out for a period of time and, and Charlie being out for a period of time, we, we crave getting uh, both of those guys back. 
Have the AFL discussed the sub rule and your use of it as a club? Um, Skinner out, Frederick came on in the showdown, Robbie Gray subbed out, played the next week, George Yardy subbed out, playing this week. Has it been discussed with how you're using it as a club? Uh, well, I think, I think the AFL have had discussions over the week with every club, but there's no doubt that um, uh, obviously our doctor and, and the AFL's doctor have discussions when um, you know a player is medically subbed out. You know, I think some of the, the discussion this week has a little bit been one-dimensional. I mean, if you if you reflect back on round one, we subbed Dersmer out, which we you know he spent the night in hospital. We thought he had a broken collarbone. We could have subbed any three others out after that. You know, we had wines with his heart. Um, we, you know, I can't imagine anyone's going to suggest that we should be subbing Robbie Gray out unless um, there's a legitimate reason. So, um, look, you know, the AFL have certainly discussed it with us, and, and I'm sure that you know into the future. Um, there'll be greater clarification from them as to, to what the rules actually you know, need to look like. But, um, um, yeah, as I say, it's a conversation that happens from a medical perspective. It doesn't have much to do with the, the coach or the footy manager. Chris, thanks for your time tonight. Good luck. Chris Thank Davies, you, Jared. the GM of footy, AFL Nation. You're listening to the 2022 Premiership season on AFL Nation. For Beaumont Tiles, hybrid flooring in store now. You're listening to the 2022 Premiership season on AFL Nation for Beaumont Tiles. Hybrid flooring in store now. AFL Nation is for sports power. Your local footy experts, Jared Waitley, Anthony Hudson, Jared Healy, and Kane Corns with you. Two games tonight starts at Adelaide Oval with Port Adelaide and the Western Bulldogs. And then over in the West, Fremantle and North Melbourne do battle at the start of round eight. Kane, we just spoke with Chris Davies, and clearly the AFL has uh, spoken with clubs around mm. the sub rule. I wonder which way they've gone. So we know that some clubs are on record saying the only threshold they're using is can this player take part in the rest of the game medically? And if the answer is no, they're happy to use the sub and not worry about the arbitrary idea that they might not be available for 12 days, which is half written into the rules, but it's as vague as the Pirates guidelines. What's the right way to actually formalise the way the sub should work? Well, there needs to be clarification and even the clubs are are screaming out for that. You can hear that in Chris Davies' voice. So whether it is 12 days or whether it is as soon as you activate, one team activates their sub, the other team can activate it straight away. But I, I was watching that game closely as I watch all Port games closely and I was going, Georgiades has played about the worst game anyone's ever played in a Port Adelaide jumper. It's wet and it's three-quarter time and you need a boost. you got fresh legs in... Dersmer on the bench. I'll be shocked if Ken Hinkley doesn't sub out Mitch Georgiades. Now, that's the cynic in me. And if I was Ken Hinkley and you're 1-5 and five at the time and you're a couple of points down at three-quarter time playing in pretty treacherous conditions, in camp, I'm doing that. Absolutely, I'm doing it. And then, I mean, who can check if you've got a tight calf? So he said after the game, oh, Mitch has got a tight calf. Oh, does he? Well, who's, who's going to – how can you check that? So there's just so and, many... And even in his midweek press conference, he said, oh, you know, he kind of went into the game with it a little bit. And, but but he might play this week. As if, you, as if you would risk a player of his quality with a calf awareness. You can't, and you can't, you cannot check it. So there needs to be that. 
So is it like is it concussion where twelve days? Everyone knows. I mean, there's no issues with concussion. It's twelve days minimum. Even Paddy McCartney wasn't concussed reportedly, but twelve days. That's it, and we move on pretty quickly. But it was rushed in. It was brought in from memory just before round one last yep. year. There was no, and it were, they were really more strict with it at the start. Now the numbers would say that it's become more common and it's been more common for players that are subbed out to play the following weeks than it were when it was when it first came in. But if you're a coach who's under the pump at three-quarter time, are you not going to do it when you've got an opportunity to get an edge? Absolutely you are. So it's not a criticism of any of the clubs, the way they've used it. It's a criticism to the AFL that this was always going to happen at some point. Can't disagree with that. It was flawed in its inception, and uh, it's played out to be so, and it's only a question of when we fix it. It's not about if. It's going to be fixed because it's a, it's a laughing. So the only, only thing that is staggering to me about the uh, injury sub is that Melbourne didn't use it last year in the grand oh, final. I agree. I mean, it's just yeah. staggering. And they did have a bloke with a tight hamstring. Yeah. The yeah. game was over at three-quarter time. Jordan, um, James, Jordan. James Jordan was on the bench. Uh, yeah, that's, that's staggering. But I think Kane has raised the two options. You either, you, well, there's probably two or three options. But, you know, this year if somebody gets injured, the other side should be able to activate it. I mean, I just go back to Josh Kennedy when he came on two weeks ago. Yep. He just reinvigorated he did. the side, didn't he? Yep. And uh, the opposition had... No chance to do theirs unless they were going to play out the rules. bring that in mid-season, do you think? Well, I would. Mm. I mean, I, I don't have any problems with changing a rule like that mid-season. It was, it was almost brought in mid-season yeah, in, in, in its first uh, iteration. But ultimately, you either go back and use it as a sub, uh, a sub rule for concussion or you just make it a fifth interchange if you're absolutely desperate to have another player. What did we learn of the coaching landscape this week? So Simon Goodwin signed for two years, which I suspect was fewer than he might have been able to push for, and evidently he took less money than he might have been able to make as well because of the holistic football program under the soft cap, and their best, his best chance of continuing on success is not to hoard a big pile for himself, and in conjunction with that is the spectre of Alistair Clarkson has been depicted now as looming large. Well, I, I really thought it was an interesting signing. I mean, Simon Goodwin was always going to be offered a job, but Lee Matthews has been saying for five years that this is, you know, the role of the head coach is not as glorified as in, in, in reality as it is in the public mind. He says it's a team and it should be treated as a team. So therefore, if that's a reality, then the pay structure should reflect that as well, particularly if you've got senior blokes like Uze and Choco. I'm not sure who else uh, is there. but um, Troy Chaplin. Troy Chaplin, well, whoever it is. But you then go to a Clarkson who is the complete opposite. He's the old model. With, it's the super coach model. And then you have to ask yourself, okay, are we? how much can we actually afford to pay the super coach if we're going to respect what we think is happening in footy? You need five really good coaches. What do you think, Kane? I thought it was... Yeah, so I, I'm of the belief that it's such a tough job and the pressure can just flip in the space of 12 months. And um, we, we've been discussing Adam Simpson and the prospect of him you know, losing his job 12 months ago or you know, 24 months ago would sound ridiculous. I, it's really admirable. Like, I'd be, you know, you're at your absolute peak of your power. I don't think you'll ever be in as much demand as he is right now. Premiership, and you look 30% better than the next best team. And, and the, the tenure is what got me, two years. So I wouldn't have been shocked if it was five or six and he'd locked himself in and set himself up. Now, I'm sure he's not going to be short of offers in two years' time, but that, that was the admirable thing that I thought um, because it, it really only works, that, that tenure works in favour of the club, clearly. Um 
you know, David King and I were discussing it. Perhaps he thinks, you know, in two years' time, the soft cup cap will be up and coaches will be earning a lot more. Maybe it's a bit more strategic. We asked Alan Richardson that. He said, no, 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 that's not the case. If, if you think that's the case, you don't know Simon Goodman. He's genuinely done it to have the best support team around him. So to your point, Jared, that's that's probably it. It's probably, a, you know, it's like the NFL quarterback and Tom Brady, despite the fact that he could earn... 40 million takes 20 so he can get a good running back so it's still only two years though even if it uh, was you know a push by simon to share the the riches around Mm. well that was that was the thing that struck me like if it was less money on six years you go well he's gonna you know over six years gonna earn a lot of cash but in two years time it no, I'm not thinking that anything's going to go wrong at Melbourne, but who knows? It's a what? tough job and the pressure could turn quickly. When do you need, when should the coach, I understand that when he wins a flag, he, he has all the credentials and he's almost, he's almost being paid for what he's already done in some ways. Yeah. That's, and that's the nature of business in, in most fields when you, um, when you have success and, and you then go to negotiate your next contract. But when do you actually need to pay the big money for a coach? Is it the start of a rebuild like a Michael Voss to come in and set the tone and set the plan and bring all your expertise? Is it in the three years when you're moving around the clock and it's, it's – you know, you've hit 10 o'clock, that's when you need the actual cutting-edge coach to get you to that final step. Or if Simon Goodwin decided to walk away and Adam Uzo was the coach next year, would we, or for the rest of yeah. this year, would, would we say Melbourne can't win a flag? We wouldn't because Simon Goodwin's best work has been done already in some ways, isn't it? And Adam Uzo is probably the coach in waiting yeah, out there. But whoever it was, yeah. as long as they were, were competent, we're going to take over. Look, like I think you make a, a, a it's a good question. I'm not sure there's a, a set answer to no, it because not. if you look back at uh, recent history, Simon Goodwin was nearly tipped out before he became a premiership coach. Uh, over in the West, um, the Eagles won a flag with a with a bloke who had not been tried before, and Adam Simpson, I reckon, will get another Guernsey somewhere else. Uh, well, Stuart- probably most of the co- like. You know, you were on the thing that kept Clarko. You had Bomber Thompson in the big review. Same with Damien Hardwick. Yeah. Well, Bomber, uh, Clarko nearly got tipped out. Yeah, yeah. But, you know, the wiser heads prevailed and he was given an opportunity to see out his contract. Now, the question is, you know, here's Clarko. Sam Mitchell is doing a pretty good job at Hawthorne. Yeah, great job. So, you know, there's people out there. So are you better off? I mean, the reason why Clarko is so valuable in my mind to, say, the Suns is because his reputation will have an impact on the local community, and they need that. But if you're talking about a big club in Western Australia or South Australia, you just need a bloke who's going to help them win games. You don't have to promote the club through the super coach. Yeah, that, that's the point that I find fascinating, and you've hit on it there. I mean, we, we do – their value grows when they spend a year out of the game. Um, you even saw that with people like Justin Lepich, yeah. Jerry. Their, their reputation grows because you know they become in demand, but – you quickly forget that Clarko's last six years at Hawthorne weren't weren't great, and you, you you wouldn't think that Hawthorne are regretting that decision with Sam Mitchell. And then you know the example of Mick Moldhouse going, you know that's it is Kevin Sheedy going to GWS. Perhaps it's not going to be all it's cracked up to be. So it's got to be the right fit, and I don't think that is at any of the rebuilding clubs. I don't think he fits in there. And Jared and I, you you have discussed that with me during the week. I just reckon there's one other element that we should take uh, significant notice of, and that is who is coaching the Collingwood Football Club. Arguably the biggest club in the land, arguably the least reputation of any of the coaches. No one, when all the when all the papers put up the who's going to coach the uh, Collingwood list when they changed over from Bucks, 
Craig McRae wasn't on that list. And yet he bobbed up, and from what my eyes are telling me, it's a pretty inspired choice mm. right now. So yeah. this, no one can ever really explain the power of the coach, but uh, they're powerful. It's why, to me, when you say coaches, senior coaches are overpaid, I can agree and disagree oh, at the same here. time yeah. because they make such a – and I remember in my early days as a reporter, going to North Melbourne when Dennis Pagan was appointed coach, watching their first training, and thought – Wow. Like, and maybe it's not as significant now because everyone's more professional, but you could just see the difference that Dennis Pagan made to that footy club. Yeah, yeah you're, you're right. And this similar at Port Adelaide when Ken Hinckley came in. You got, who is this guy? Like, this is, this was so organised. The little details um, that he added to the group, the discipline, the honesty. There were so many little things that added up to him being unbelievable for the group. And you go from winning five games to winning a final in, in the space of 12 months because of that. But the, the, the people that I feel most sorry for at times like this are, are, your, are your Craig McRae types who have battled away. They want one opportunity. They've spent 20 years in the system. Like an Adam Kingsley type. They've bettered themselves. They've yeah. coached midfield. They've gone to three clubs. They've done backline. They've done 15 coaches <laughs> courses. They've done level four. <laughs> they're sitting there. Going, they've been to three interviews. They've got to the last three, five times. And they go, I just want an opportunity. And then we're reading that Oh, Clarko's got eight interviews already. Like that, they're, they're, they're the people I feel... I, they just give them an opportunity, but they're just so few and far between that actually get one. Our experts are dressed thanks to Ringers Western. Ringers Western clothing looks great in the city and toughs it out on the land. How does it go with bleached hair, Ringers Western? <laughs> <laughs> I don't think much goes with bleached hair. Um, <laughs> the, so you've each got a special category here. Yours is Jack Ginnivan and yours is Lewis Young. Jared, you do the tribunal first. Oh, I thought uh, I thought Justin Gleeson let the game down on the weekend. Jeff, yep. Oh, sorry, Jeff uh, Gleeson let it down because he had an opportunity to, if he didn't think that the player's head was over the ball, and, you know, that is an interpretation. The still photo I've got in my phone shows me that his head's over the ball, and the fact that he didn't see the oncoming Lewis Young tells me his eyes were fixed and looking down at the ball because he had no idea he was coming. But he also had, from my understanding of it, the opportunity to tell him to go away and come back and uh, charge him with rough, rough conduct. But he said because... He didn't have his head over the ball. He didn't have to factor in the uh, the force and how appropriate it was in the circumstances. But but ultimately, I think what Brad Scott and Andrew Dillon have to do is go back and and reinforce the rule as they've done a number of times with accidental head clashes. So we don't have guys put in a place that Lewis Young put um, Zerhar in, where you know the risk of spinal injury. Is absolute. I've listened to your interview with Hodgie, and I, I've read what uh, Bucks had to say about Benny Hill. But, but to me, it's the reverse. If you don't know that you've got protection from that spinal injury potential bump coming forward, then you look up, and then both guys don't go the ball. That's the Benny Hill. So I think that the game, you know, I think it was a mistake, or it was bad for the game during the week, and I think it needs to be uh, addressed. Even though there was no head contact. Even though there was no head contact. Because when, when Lewis Young was a metre and, say, 1,200 centimetres away and uh, Zerha was a, a metre away, when he thought about bumping, he didn't know whether Zerha was going to put his head over the ball or not. He, he, he didn't know that. He was in self-preservation mode, not anything else. And he decelerated to a large degree. So he was thinking about the player, but he still, he still tucked up and put him at risk. So... The fact that he didn't hit the head is an irrelevance to me. 
it's the action that has to be banned, not the outcome. And where do the week's events leave Jack Ginevan in your eyes, Kane? Confused, I reckon. Oh, if I was Jack, I'd be going, well, hang on, uh, six weeks ago you loved it and you wanted to celebrate the individual and you wanted to you know, benefit from what this individual had done for a club that, you know, in a way had been through a tough time and needed bums on seats. And you defended him with his individual celebration after the game. Uh, you, you post him all over your social media and, and everyone um, is rightly um, in awe of what he has done with his performance and his individuality and his personality and how good he's been for the game. And he's played well, like he's played particularly well on the big stage and then a week or so later you don't like it anymore so I'd, to answer your question if, if I'm Jack Ginnivan I'm going well hang on um, you liked it six weeks ago my performance hasn't suffered and surely that's all that matters and now you're trying to rein me back in is, is the way that I'll be thinking so I do have some sympathy in that space too. I reckon he's mainly confused because a bloke who was cooking him a couple of weeks mm. ago has now got blonde hair it's <laughs> <laughs> all over well, that Instagram. could be part of it that could be part of the it the Hyundai Stereo Load is the van that is big on space and huge on safety it's the only commercial van to receive five star rating and platinum awards for safety from ANCAP 47990 drive away for ABN holders AFL Nation pregame show for Beaumont Tiles you're listening to the 2022 Premiership season on AFL Nation for Beaumont Tiles. Hybrid flooring in store now. Sorry about the noise. My neighbour's sanding his deck. My motto? Don't work on your deck. Play on it. Life's good with a Trex deck. Low maintenance with a 25-year residential warranty. Trex, the world's number one decking brand.